is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive? into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means. Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gur. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. My name is Callum Gurr, and I will be joined by my co-host and the sponsor, George Cup. Hello, everyone. This evening, Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the night. So this evening, we will be discussing, do you support entering a second lockdown? What should the legal age be to buy alcohol? And lastly, would you ever stand for office? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week we asked for you guys to send in your non-political questions for me and George to answer. Um, and we've had some really great questions in. As always, the first is from David. David says, I've been seeing all of these news stories about people complaining about Britain's Got Talent. I don't know if you've seen it, but the dance group Diversity did a dance about Black Lives Matter and Ofcom received over 20,000 complaints about it. To me, this is really crazy. And I've been thinking about whether people are just stupid or if they know what they're doing. Like, you know, when someone does something that just makes no sense to you whatsoever, are they an idiot or is it just their perspective? 
So that's my question for you. Do you think people are just stupid or do you think they know what they're doing? George, what do you reckon on that? Well, I, I think it would be wrong of me to <laughs> to state that everyone's stupid. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I can see where you're coming from, David, because I think that, yes, you can question why people are complaining about something um, when maybe you feel so passionate about it yourself and, and you can't see what is wrong in that. But obviously, we live in a country that allows people to speak freely of, of what is on their mind and it allows people to complain about things that they don't like. Um, and that is what Ofcom is there for in for um TV shows for when people don't agree with them. And as much as you might sit there and disagree with their opinion, it is equally their right to disagree with your opinion. And I don't think that it would be right in any way to call them stupid. I mean, I often disagree with Callum, but I don't believe he is stupid. Um, I can't say that he thinks the same for, for me, but there you go. Um, and, and politically as well. I disagree with a lot of my friends that are Labour or um, MPs and things like that, but I don't think they're stupid. I think that they are fully right to have their own opinion, even if it is maybe a little bit crazy in my own opinion. Um, but I, I, I ultimately think that when it comes to situations like we saw on Britain's Got Talent, I think people sometimes react with like a knee jerk reaction. They see it and they get rather angry and they think the only way they can solve it is, is by complaining. Um, and you do get people like that. You do get people that are, um, like, like to sit on their sofa and judge everyone that, that is in front of them on the TV. Um, but as I said, I think that we can actually take a privilege and take some pride in the fact that these people are allowed to have those opinions because ultimately it means that you can have your opinions so no i don't think people are stupid um and i do think that people generally do know what they're doing what do you think callum <laughs> yeah i mean I, w I wouldn't describe these people as stupid definitely not i mean um it, it would it would not it, it would very much uh undermine our whole uh reason for being i suppose on this show if we were to turn around <laughs> and just say other opinions are stupid sort of thing i don't think that's to be fair what david is is saying at all anyway um i do think that it's actually david you've come onto a really interesting point about why it is that some people almost seem to take an issue with everything uh, I, I think there is a, a an element of that. It could kind of, from from my perspective, being I, I like to think fairly pro change. There are, there is a significant segment of the population that are just so resistant to any kind of change, and and it makes you wonder uh, what their views would have been, say, in, in the times of, of slavery, as to whether or not they'd have been pro slavery or anti it, or, or or different kind of. Um, phases in history and it, it it does just make you wonder what their views would be um i think in terms of why it is that, that uh, some people are like this and, and why they seem to have very different views to what a lot of i think probably younger people it would be fair to say have um is i think it's a little bit of ignorance some, sometimes on their part and I, I don't say that in a in a in a negative way as such but i i think Often, when people take such issues on the Black Lives Matters movement and and with you know diversity making a stand in their dance and and kind of showing uh, camaraderie with that, I think the reason that they do that is because 
maybe they've got no black friends or certainly they're not black themselves and they 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 just lack that that really vital thing and i think it's so important but i think it's such a lack of it in in all levels of society now of empathy and i i just don't think that that they can empathize with it which is why you get these um, kind of knee-jerk reactions as as you say george um and uh, it doesn't make them stupid or anything like that because as i say i think it's a problem in young people as well in not being able to empathize with with more more old people and and understanding that it's hard for them to keep up with the way in which the world is changing but it does it that's the reason why i think that people are like that but it's not because they're an idiot it's just because maybe they they just haven't really lived in these experiences and they've not taught to people that that have lived those experiences um let's move on from our to our second opinion it's from tatty and i'm very sorry if i've said your name wrong um this is an age-old question but because i listen to so much music i'm interested in hearing your guys opinions on this my question is is the golden age of music behind us <laughs> A lot of older people say that music nowadays is rubbish compared to what it used to be. But as us young people think music now is really good. So it is an age thing or has music actually gotten worse? Well, Callum, has it gotten worse? Well, I like to think I'm a young person, Tabsy, and, and I don't think music today is very good, to be fair. <laughs> um, I think I think being fair, we the golden age of music in a sense is behind us however i think it's a lot harder nowadays because of the growth of kind of electronic music and i don't mean the genre but what i mean is like electronic instruments and um the abilities of, of djs to create things from their front room sort of thing uh, i think it means that the possibilities for music now are so endless really in what you can create that you're never going to you're never going to be able to create something that works f for everyone that's that's considered in the same way as what the kind of golden age of music of i'm thinking like the beatles the rolling stones uh, and things like that i i think that they were living in a much more simpler time i also think that probably nowadays because of the growth of, of streaming platforms and things like that there's just such a wider um taste in music that everyone has that that it means that people just aren't listening to the same things all the time so i think that's probably the reason why yes the golden age of music is behind us but i don't necessarily mean that as a criticism of current songs although to be honest i, I mean i don't really listen to the charts massively but um, every time, say, I get to a club, which obviously has been quite a while because of COVID, but every time I go to a club, I'm like, I don't know this music, I don't like this music. Um, so I'm, I'm probably just a bit of an old man about this as well anyway. Um, what do you think, George? The worrying thing is, listeners, is that uh, Callum is more up-to-date on modern music than I oh, am. Definitely. <laughs> um, so uh, there's no hope with me. I definitely do agree that we we have gone through the golden age of music, um, and it is definitely behind us. I 
despise the music that comes out nowadays. Um, wow. I don't really think it is most of the time music. However, though, I would sit there and say that I think that the definition of music and comparing the music that we had and comparing what we've got now will be wrong to do so because they're in such different genres that the technology and the skills and everything that are around now compared to then are completely different. Um, and the appeal that the songs have to try and reach again are completely different and i think because of that we have to we see songs that are so kind of um i don't know generalized and, and to try and make sure that everyone kind of likes it i mean yeah there are songs that have been released recently that i do like and um there are certain artists that i do like but they sing a certain genre that is often referred to as quite old-fashioned um so i mean if anyone's going to take the the award of being an old man i unfortunately would say that would have to be me um but i i do unfortunately do believe that that we have gone through that golden era of music right then moving on to our third question it's from jake jake says the time 100 list came out this week and there were all of these people like um the weekend taylor swift and selena gomez who have been listed as the 100 most influential people in the world. Do you agree with the list? And who do you think is the most influential person in the world today? George? Well, I think the list is always interesting. I, I often query what they kind of actually uh, mean as influential and, and how the certain people that are named in that list are actually um being influential and whether it's being influential in the right ways. I personally don't see how certain celebrities that get on that list are classed as influential. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I suppose they have a platform and a lot of people do read and, and support what they're saying. Um, but to answer your main question about the uh, most influential person in the world today, for me, I think it would have to be David Attenborough. I think David Attenborough is, is an incredible man and, and the, the changes that he's starting to bring around for climate and, and the abilities that he's trying to bring in is incredible. I mean, I, I think it was um, this week he's, he's just joined Instagram to try and <laughs> address to the more younger audience and to get them aware of, of what's going on. Um, and for me, I, I just absolutely love David Attenborough. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts, Callum? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very, um, very interesting that looking at that list. I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend I'm massively familiar with everyone who, who was on it. Um, in terms of who I think's the most influential person, I, I think, to be honest, one of the problems with this list is it's so hard to to categorise that. I, I would still say, maybe it's a little bit old-fashioned to think so, but I, I still think that world leaders are, are so so important in terms of actually real influence um and so i suppose looking at kind of the president of china maybe xi jinping i think obviously he's going to have a massive influence particularly when you consider the fact that china is a, a massively growing economy and um a, a lot of the kind of major issues in the world today are very much focused um, focused around China as well um, and, and so I suppose thinking about other world leaders as well um, President Trump as well is obviously massively influential right then we'll remember we'll be announcing what the question be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show so make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show we've reached time for our first song break so we'll be back very soon 
and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking, do you support entering a second lockdown? So this week we have seen the Prime Minister announce new measures about a second lockdown. Pubs will have to close at 10 o'clock and face masks will have to be worn in bars and pubs and restaurants whilst you're mingling, going to the toilet, but not whilst you're sitting at the table. In Scotland, we've seen mixing of households completely banned. And in Wales, we've seen all alcohol banned from being sold um, past 10 p.m. Now, maybe it's wrong to call it a lockdown, but are these measures right? And is the government going around the right thing? Are they bringing in enough measures to stop the spread of the virus or are you angry that these measures are even being brought in at all? Uh, this week, we are seeing the highest levels of coronavirus cases ever being recorded in this country. And it is getting worrying. But Callum, do you support entering a second lockdown? If the evidence shows that that's going to be the way to to end the virus, I think you'd be a fool not to support entering a second lockdown, particularly if that the evidence shows that that's the best way of saving lives, I think to be quite frank, the jury's still out on that um, because the 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 cost to life financially of a second lockdown in terms of what we have just seen would is so great um, that that it would be very difficult to to enter that again. Um, and I think that really, as I say, my answer is based upon what the evidence shows. And as I say, I think the jury's out, still out on that. Um, I've, I've been reading about the fact that obviously Sweden never entered uh, a proper lockdown in the same way as many countries did. And Sweden yeah. um, now, although uh, you know uh, it was suffering with coronavirus quite greatly um when a lot of other countries were starting to come towards the other side it it's now seems to be doing better um again based upon the, the last kind of data that i saw um so that possibly suggests that a second proper lockdown isn't effective but then i would also say that it was only a few weeks about a few weeks back but we were saying that we were um, doing quite well and we were encouraging people to go um, back to work. We were encouraging people to go to, into restaurants and things like that. And obviously we did have a lockdown. And so that would have pointed towards evidence that, that lockdowns are effective. Um, and so I suppose what I'm trying to make the point is that I think this virus is so uh, ever changing and and so you think you've got control of it and then suddenly there's a there's a spike that it means that probably no matter what we do whether it's a lockdown or whether we we go the kind of swedish approach to things there's going to be uh increases in cases and things like that so it's just about making that balance between the financial cost and the cost to life and deciding upon that evidence, what's the best approach for this country? Um, what do you think, George? Yeah, I think that, um, as kind of rightly says, if the scientific evidence says and states that this is what needs to be done to ensure that um, the spread doesn't carry on, then 
it's very hard to argue against it. Um, yes, absolutely. There, there are those arguments to say that if we build up our immune system against this, then um, we would be able to fight it that way. But I, I feel as if that that risks too much. Um, and I actually think that in a way that the government has been rather fair in the, the, the measures that have been brought in, because as I said in the introduction, there are many countries that have actually brought in stricter lockdowns um, and stricter measures. And I think that that entail means that potentially there could be stricter ones to come if there, this does not prove to have an effect to, to make sure the cases go down. Um, it was inevitable, I, I do believe. I think we were all waiting for something like this to happen. And I think that it is um, it, it should should happen to ensure that we do see a stop to this virus. I think during the summer we, we got quite complacent and actually quite, um, I don't know, as if the virus had gone away completely. Um, and I think with the cases that we are now seeing coming in, it is shows that how dangerous this virus was and still is um, and how much of a deadly killer and, and, and secret and invisible killer it is. Um, and that should be a worry. I think that the cases that we are, now, we are now seeing being brought in should be taken incredibly seriously. Um, and I think that people should now be incredibly cautious about what is going on. And I really do stress that the government would not bring in these measures if they didn't have to. And um, I do also believe if our economy wasn't under so much strain and stress, we would see even heavier lockdowns be brought in um as a whole nation and and i mean callum do you think that there is potential that there could be this circuit break being brought in over over half term where there is practically a two-week lockdown altogether where we go back to how we were at the beginning of this year i, I mean i think i think it's it's possible for sure i think it's, it seems incredibly unfair that school kids will finish school and then <laughs> And then be faced with a lockdown for the time when they're off school. That that does seem to me a little bit unfair. But I I, I suppose it is. It's definitely something that is possible. I mean, looking George, obviously at the, at the time of of us recording this show, um, we've seen that uh, the Chancellor of Rishi Sunak has just announced. Well. I mean, this was already announced, the fact that furlough won't be extended, but they, but he has announced that they're introducing now this job support scheme, which yeah. the idea of it is to protect what they're calling viable jobs, i.e. those jobs that if it weren't for the pandemic, or, or rather if the pandemic was, you know, ending tomorrow, that they would still be a job uh, in, in, say, a month's time anyway. So so the jobs that, that are worth saving, I suppose, is, is the way that they, they're they focusing this. Do you, do you think that the job support scheme is right? And do you think that focusing on these viable jobs is, is the way to go? I think, um, as I alluded to earlier, I, 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 the, the economy is not in a situation where I think we can save every single job going. And the government is in a position where it has to make difficult decisions in what jobs can be saved. And I believe that the right way to assess that is to look at the jobs that would still be in place after the coronavirus was to end tomorrow, as you, as you said, Callum. And, and I think that that is the only way that it can really and truly be judged. I do not think that 
as a country we can afford to keep pushing money just to support people during the coronavirus when when it ends those companies would just get rid of those people um and as harsh as that may sound i think we have to try and support those try and support as many as we can but at the same time a level that this country can afford do you think it was enough Callum, or do you wish there was more in there or even the furlough scheme carried on um i think personally that the furlough scheme probably should have carried on um i, I think there's a lot of evidence that is pointing towards the fact that we could be he heading for for more yeah, extreme measures in the future anyway so, so having the furlough scheme there makes a lot of sense i, I also think that given that, that i think the focus upon viable jobs although in theory sounds correct it, it leaves a lot of people um who are not in those viable jobs thinking what do what do i do then um and a lot of these people will end up will end up being made redundant um, and of course, there is obviously um, universal credit and be the benefit system there to support them. But but is that going to have the capacity to quickly um, respond to the to these peoples and 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 the kind of explosion in needs that this could cause? I, I think it's um, I I understand completely that the government is faced with a really um, tough situation, and arguably, I think this is tougher than when the coronavirus first hit in terms of economically. But I just worry massively about what, what this is going to do to to a lot of people um, and also what it does to the wider job market in terms of if um, rather than, I think the furlough scheme delayed some redundancies that would have happened, um, but, but now this scheme doesn't seem to me to point towards the fact that it's going to delay these anymore, which maybe arguably is good, but it does suddenly mean that for everyone, and there's a lot of people who were made redundant since the furlough scheme has been kind of weaned off anyway, it means that there's a lot of people now in the job market looking for and looking for a job, and there's, there's not enough jobs um, to go around at the moment. Yeah, I think it is the problem. And I understand that this is and I don't I want to make clear, that I don't think this is entirely the government's doing. And I think their hands are bound in terms of what they can do. Um, but it is still a worry. And I just wonder whether they could have extended furlough for a bit longer to prevent that kind of bottlenecking of jobs from getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you think this poll is going to go? I think that it's going to be nearly 50-50. I'm going to say more people will support entering a second lockdown based upon the fact that if the scientific evidence is there. I'm going to say uh, yeah, 55% of people will say, uh, yes, they do. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I'm actually in totally agreement with you there, Callum. But there is only one way to find out, and that's for you to uh, vote on this question. Do you support entering a second lockdown? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll back after this hello and welcome back so before that break we asked do you support entering a second lockdown and to find the results of that poll please go to our twitter page that's at whiz radio Right then, time to move on to our third topic of this evening, and we are asking what should the legal age be to buy alcohol? 
So in the UK, it is illegal for someone under the age of 18 years to buy alcohol, alcohol uh, to drink alcohol in a public place, attempt to buy alcohol or to be sold alcohol. Despite this, uh, we still do see a fair prevalence um, of underage drinking uh, in the UK, which is massively linked towards binge drinking as well. So according to a 2015 survey by the Health and Social Care Information Centre, um, they found that around two-fifths, that's 38% of English 11 to 15 year olds have tried alcohol. In Scotland, that figure is 32% for 13 year olds and 70% for 15 year olds. Um, and so this raises the question, given that the current uh, legislation, the current law that uh, alcohol shouldn't be bought by someone under the age of 18 years, is this very effective? Should perhaps the legal age be changed given that a lot of 16 year olds nowadays are already um, drinking alcohol anyway? Out of the following, what should the legal age be? By alcohol, should it be 18? So i.e. the current number, uh, 21, 16 or other. George, what do you think? Uh, it's a hard question. I think I'm going to kind of go down the lines with keeping it at 18. Um, purely because I think that, yes, there are benefits to reduce it to 16, but I just don't think there are enough benefits that would outweigh the negative side effects. I think the whole issue around underage drinking and, and those that want to drink alcohol that are obviously below 18 um, stems from this country's attitude towards alcohol. This country is, is very famous for, for being binge drinkers. We, we quite often will use alcohol purely just to get drunk, and, and especially at the ages of between 18 um, and maybe even 25, I would say. Um, and, and that is purely because of our culture. We, we choose to use it as a as the thrills that it brings along. And, and we don't often between the especially the ages of 18, we don't often really drink it as a kind of leisure drink. It's never really there for the purpose of just to have a have a nice drink. It's there for the purpose so you can get a bit silly and a bit lightheaded. Um, if you look at other cultures, for example, France and Italy, their culture is very different in, in with with their relationship to alcohol. And, and they introduce alcohol to teenagers at a very young age, at around 13, 14. They will often have a glass of red or white wine with their meal um, to to, to have as an enjoyment a drink you know as, as if we were to have diet coke or something like that and because purely because of that when you get to the age of or when they get to the age of 18 there isn't this kind of excitement of tasting alcohol for the first time or or going absolutely mental because it's it's this amazing drink because they've had it from the age of the 13 they they already know what the taste is like they they actually get kind of i don't know you could argue bored of it in in a, in a way and and they actually um don't binge like like this country is, is as i said famous for kind of doing um so i think that 18 is is the right way to go around it but the way to to change the way i think alcohol is consumed is to is to change the way we approach alcohol in, with teenagers and not make it this like secretive 
I suppose drug is is probably the, the the basic way to call it, and and this this amazing thing that can that can happen. It should just be brought about as a a normal kind of drink that people can't go that won't go mad on when they get the chance to to have it. Callum, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think personally that eighteen is probably about right. What what the current age is. Um, my concern with changing it to sixteen, although. I, I'm often of the opinion, well, if we take it, if we compare it to, say, the war on drugs, which I, I think is obviously um, not the right kind of policy to do. And, and I, I've been quite on record as saying I support a kind of legalisation. And, and the reason that I, I've always said that is because no matter what, I think people will, will take drugs. So therefore, we should try and regulate these things. I think the difference with alcohol is that you of course for one um you have to have an age limit and obviously you put on drugs as well just to be clear um but i think that if you changed it to 16 although probably there'll be a lot of people that will start drinking then that would have started drinking then even if the if their age limit was at 18 i think what you end up doing is possibly front loading when people start first trying to kind of rebel against the system as it were to try and drink alcohol um and i think what you end up doing is that whereas under the current law i think that quite often the the age group that people first start trying to seriously think about um buying alcohol is more like 15 16 because 18 is is when the actual ages I, I wonder if if you changed it to 16 is when people legally can do it do, is it 13 14 year olds that are trying to buy alcohol and as you say Joyce because our culture is such a binge drinking culture that's dangerous at the end of the day and, and 13 and 14 year olds can have even less ex experience and world knowledge to know that binge drinking is actually really really dangerous um yeah and I think it's really interesting actually thinking about, you know, the difference between our culture and, and other cultures in terms of our attitudes towards alcohol. And I saw a really interesting article, I think it was probably in The Guardian, it may have been in The Independent though, which was actually talking about how much pub culture is linked to our national pride uh, and to kind of nationalist sentiment in, in many ways or, or patriotic sentiment. Um, yeah. and, and and if you think about it, I mean, from from our perspective, obviously, George, our probably number one social occasion is, is going to the pub. And OK, yeah. we, I mean, I'm not going to pretend we consume loads of alcohol or anything like that. But but obviously it does. It does figure as as a part of that. Um, and it, it is strange. I, I wonder I'm not saying whether it's any different in other cultures or not, but I do wonder whether or not it is. Um, but the question I had for you, George, is what? Uh, when when do you think you first um, drunk alcohol? What age was it? Oh gosh, um, I would say it probably was around thirteen when I tried either my dad's glass of red wine or beer, and I absolutely hated the taste of it. Um, and I was like, how can anyone drink that and, and or want to drink it? Um, and, and I think that I think that is a case for a lot of people. I mean, when the, when you first taste alcohol, were you a bit like, oh, what is that? Oh yeah, it's it's a really weird thing, isn't it? Because 
we we train our system our body to begin to like something which is actually toxic for us um and so yeah, yeah. you you do you i hated the taste of alcohol when i first tried it um and, and i think i i was similar it was probably about 13 14 when i first uh, tried alcohol in terms of like just having like the dregs from from someone's glass or something like that or just having a sip yeah. of your dad's beer or, or whatever i think realistically when i actually started to engage it in it more as a pastime and i wouldn't obviously encourage anyone to start doing that but it would be probably more like 15 16 i mean would yeah. it be the same, yeah. same for you yeah no I, I absolutely um yeah i'm not denying that and as we're on this kind of honest page do you think that you would hold, hold your hands up and, and say that you did abuse the, the the intake of alcohol when you were 18 um as in when once i turned 18 yeah yes yes i i had too many drinks uh for particularly on my 18th birthday party um, <laughs> for, for sure for sure um what how do you think this poll's gonna go i think that I, I do think that people will actually support what we are saying for once and, and actually agree that 18 is is the way to go. So I, I'm going to say that 18 will come out on top here. What, what do you think? I probably agree with you, but just to make things a bit spicy, I'll say 16. I'll say people will say 16. Uh, the only way to find out, of course, is for you guys to vote, vote away on this poll. That question is, what should the legal age be to buy alcohol? The options are 18, 21, 16 or other. Uh, and you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So before the break we ask what should the legal age be to buy alcohol and to find out the results to that poll head over to our Twitter page that's at wizardradio. Okay, let's move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. And we're asking, would you ever stand for office? So when we say stand for office, we mean, would you stand in an election, whether that's at parish level, district level, um, or even county level, or then even general election level to be a member of parliament? Both Callum and I have actually stood for office. Um, I luckily won my seat and, and I am I now uh, am a district councillor um, and Callum unfortunately didn't win his seat thanks um, for I, reminding me it's alright I would I would say he came close but I would be I lying I came last there you go Callum can you not get involved in my introduction please <laughs> um, so so Callum I mean it's quite I've kind of just answered it for you but would you um would you ever stand for office again there you go I'll put a spin on it mm. Uh, maybe in like 20 years maybe maybe Ooh. not 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 currently uh oh. i i i personally um I, I did i didn't um massively enjoy my my run for council um i never really expected to win either to be fair um but um it's not something that really interests me, or certainly not at, on a local level. I, I think I'd be more interested in the future, or I don't anticipate I ever will, but I think the the level that I would be most interested in standing for office would be 
um, into Parliament itself. Um, obviously, I think, as I said, that's very unlikely to ever happen, but, um, <laughs> but possibly that would be where I would be most interested in standing for office. Um, I mean, this is ridiculous, George, because I know this, the listeners know this, but I, I, I mean, what... Why is it, I suppose, I think would be a better question. We know you will, well, we know you're in office anyway. Why is it that you think people should want to stand for office? I think that it's it's a great thing to do if you really want to make an impact on your local community um, and want to stand up for your local community and actually make decisions that can change the, the community you live in. Um, it's one of the proudest things to be able to walk around your local village or local ward and look at things and say, I had a influence on that. I made the decision to put that in place. I helped those people out. And I think that as much as it is a, an incredibly often hard job to be in and it is incredibly um, frustrating at the same time it is always often worth worth it when you get the little bit of hope when you win a case for someone and you get them the help that they need or you get them into a house that they need to be in or something like that and I think if you want as well help people directly it is one of the best ways to do so um, and, and I think that it's a chance to really stand up for what you believe in. Um, and I don't think anyone should be afraid to do it and, and to stand up for, for what they believe in. And um, I quite often think locally, you don't have to be necessarily political. Um, I think locally, especially at parish council level, um, you can be very much independent and really try and represent your own views and, and get elected on your own views. And, and you you can really gain the support if you work hard enough and it can be a very rewarding job even if it is hard at times um and i think again you know as as callum said it's no secret that i eventually want to stand to become a member of parliament and that is just another level of it it's it's another level of trying to have an impact not just on your constituency but the way the country is going and of course you want the country to head in the direction in the beliefs that you hold and um, because obviously the party that you believe in um you think have the best policies to, to take the country to where it should be and, and to, to progress it in the right direction. Um, and that's why I think you should, if you can, stand for office. Um, how do you think this poll is going to go, though, Callum? I think that 60% of people will say yes. What about you? Oh, I, I only think that 40% of people will say yes. Um, interesting. I know it is very interesting. <laughs> anyway there's only one way to find out and that's for all of you lovely people to go and vote on this question would you ever stand for office and you could do that wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back after this Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked, would you ever stand for office? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page. That's at Wiz Radio. Well, unfortunately, I know, I know it has come to that time of the evening where Callum and I do have to say those famous words of bye bye. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for listening to To Be Discussed with Kuppinger. We do really hope you've enjoyed this episode. I think my chow for now is more famous than your bye bye, but we'll, we'll nice. see. We'll have to do that as a poll at some point and see, nice. see what people think. Uh, 
As mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like you to send in your opinion on the question, what is the most important issue facing the world today? And double points for anyone um, that says something beyond uh, coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> you can send in those opinions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at wizardradio. So remember to send in your opinion on the question, what is the most important issue facing the world today? And we're really looking forward to hearing those next week. It is now time for George and I to say, ciao for now. <laughs> so I've been Callum Gurr. And uh, that saying is awful. I've <laughs> been <laughs> I've been George Carp. Thanks very much for listening, uh, everyone. This is a good one, Callum. We'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To Be Discussed. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.